0: More Than Conquerors is supported by the generous gifts of listeners like you. You can find us online by going to livingwordchurch.org. The character Pastor wants to introduce to you in these next four days of teaching does not respond to tears, complaints, or pleading, but how he accomplishes his goals will amaze you. He's known as Satan, the father of lies. As the commander of an evil army, sworn to do his bidding, he longs to make God's people ineffective, neutralizing them for God's use. His only desire is to bring you destruction, trouble, and heartache, and to knock you out of the game. Pastor warns, don't bite the bait or open the door of your heart to let him in. Rather, we see great hope as Pastor shows us how the battle can be won with only God's Word, fiercely fought right at the very gates of hell. Let's hear more about why Pastor warns, when you can see this enemy's paw print, be on guard. He's near and ready to destroy you.
1: You know, when we start talking about Satan, we have a couple of classifications of people. And um, number one is there is a group or classification of people that just don't think the devil exists. When you start talking about the devil, they say, ah, it's a bunch of hogwash. It's something that's been made up, you know, so on and so forth. And when you think about it, wouldn't that be the greatest victory that the devil could ever win or the greatest tool that he would ever have is to get people to believe that he doesn't even exist. Because then if he doesn't exist, then we don't have an enemy to fight. And if we don't have an enemy to fight, we don't have a need to fight. We don't have a need to pick up tools or weapons to fight. So one of the greatest uh, victories he gets is is to that group or in, in that class of people who just don't think he exists. The other class of people are some are afraid of the devil. And when you start talking about the devil, They start freaking out. I remember some years ago, you know, I remember all the details. It was many, many years ago. But when I started learning this stuff, I started to share with some of the people I was working. Because back then I was working in a furniture store many, many, many moons ago. I was one of those sleazy salespeople, you know, try to sell you stuff that you didn't need or want or like. But you ended up buying because I wasn't going to let you out of my grip until you bought something from me. But... I remember sharing about the devil and I remember this one dear lady, she said, I don't want to hear, don't talk about that, I don't want to hear anything about the devil. Now there's a class of people that freak out and get afraid when you start talking about the devil, but just because you, you know, don't want to talk about him is not going to make him go away, right? I mean, he exists and he's real and he's there, so why not talk about him from a position of faith and strength? that we do stand in and learn the tools and learn the ways to effectively stop him, hinder him and to push him back and to push him out of our lives and out of our circumstances and situations. Then there's another group of people who are so, so overly infatuated with the devil that everything is the devil's fault. I mean, there are people, there's a devil under every chair, behind every door, in the cl- everywhere you go, it's the devil. That's all. And by doing that, they give him more power and credence than you need to, because you actually walk around, you know, uh, uh, you know, basically giving him a credit for things that he doesn't even deserve credit for. Now, most certainly the devil will get involved in people's lives, and that's true. And he will be persistent and stay with you. But sometimes not everything is the devil because all he has to do is give some people one suggestion. You take that suggestion and you go screw yourself up all by yourself. You just do it all to yourself. You don't need the devil to walk you through it because you do a fine enough job walking yourself through it. Now, some people he will be persistent with and he'll just keep it, you know, keep it. But, but this idea that everything goes back to the devil and you know he's under every chair, behind every rock. That's to me, I think that's an infatuation, and we need to keep about. Now there are that group of people, and I'm hoping that we can train you to be the group of people that have a healthy respect not for the devil, but for the power that he does hold. Amen. Or the authority that he does hold. A healthier respect for who he is. We don't respect him. I have no respect for the devil. But we do respect the fact that he does do things and can do things. And we do not walk in fear, but we learn to walk in the authority and the power that God has given to us in the So I'm not I'm not walking around looking over my shoulder and afraid that you know that the devil's gonna pop out somewhere and like a boogeyman and go. I'm I'm not gonna live that way. But I am gonna live prepared and ready should I begin to see his operation, his work. Which really takes me to where I want to go in in 1 Peter, in chapter 5, and verse 8. Because Peter addresses this, and he uses these terms, and I think it's so powerful. He said, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, one of the things I didn't share, which I need to, is that... um, I did a little research, you know, a little countdown on my computer. And from what I could find in New King James, and I'm not this is not 100% accurate, but I found that the devil, whether it be the serpent, mentioned as the serpent, mentioned as Lucifer, angel of light, devil, uh, or Satan, any of those five terms, that accounts out to over 100 times he's mentioned in the Old and the New Testament. So over 100 times. So whether you think there is is a devil or not, he really does exist because God thought it important enough to list it a hundred different times in a hundred different ways his name or his activities some way show up in the Bible. All right, so he says here, um, be sober, be vigilant. So the very first thing we we need to talk about as we're talking about um, this activity of the enemy is that we're called to be sober. We're, we're called, this is a time for sobriety. This is a time for Christians to be on their feet or on their guard. Be vigilant. What does it mean to be vigilant? It means to be aware, you know, be watching continually. And, and you know, I was thinking, I was thinking like I, I, I dabble, and I mean dabble in martial arts. And I am a dabbler, so don't be afraid of me because if you came at me, I'd probably run. I don't know what I would do, but I dabble in, and I've been practicing, you know, trying to learn some things. I found out that it would probably have been better if I had done this when I was 17, as opposed to starting it when I turned 57. I'm sick, gonna be 62, but when I was 57, I started to dabble with it. And uh, so I have, a, I have a good time with it. But one of the in, in the, in the form that I practice, and I would imagine it holds true to the other forms, one of the, one of the key principles that you have to be vigilant you have to be aware of your surroundings at all times because one of the things that you don't want to happen is you don't want to be caught by surprise the surprise attack is always the puts you in in a very compromised position and there's a greater chance that you could get knocked down if you are in that compromised position where you are not aware and unfortunately You know, today there are a lot of believers who walk totally unaware of the devil's activity in their own life, and they're totally oblivious to it. That's why Peter warns us here and says, "Be sober and be vigilant. You can't be, you know, you can't be so, you know, lackadaisical for a better for a better word in your life, and so carefree that nothing, you know, devil isn't going to touch me. Nothing's ever going to happen." He said, "No." He said, "Be sober." Be vigilant. Be on your guard. So, you know, one, like I said, one of the principles is is to constantly be aware of your surroundings. Because if somebody comes up from behind you, because we do we do this sensitivity practice in in, and I think we, it really kind of fits here. But what we do is, the trainer will come up behind me. You know, I'll just stand a distance, and and he'll come up behind me and he'll try to grab me. And usually, I get grabbed. And usually I'm in a chokehold and I can't get out. And he said, You see, you've got to become so sensitive that you, you actually feel it. Yes. You just sense it. You know it's coming. And the, the split second it comes is the split second that you begin to react. You know exactly without any thought how to move your body to get out of that stronghold. And Peter is teaching us something here. He's saying, Be sober, be vigilant. Be on your guard. Be awake. Be fully aware that that your adversary, now notice what he called the devil, your adversary. Your adversary is not your spouse that's sitting next to you. As much as you may think so. Your adversary is not your employer. Your adversary is not your next door neighbor. Your, Your adversary is not necessarily those people who are, aggravating your life in some way. He said, it's your adversary, the devil. It's the devil who is the source of all kinds of trouble in people's lives. And Peter says so pointedly, so clearly, he said, listen, be sober, be vigilant, be on your guard, practice your sensitivity to the devil's attacks or attempts in your life. He said, because your adversary, this is the one who's opposed to you. God is not the source of your trouble. I can't stand it when I hear people pin on God what really needs to be pinned on the devil. When they say, well, God, you know, use this sickness. And God does not use sickness in anybody's life because God doesn't have sickness to use. Jesus came to break the back and the curse of sickness and disease. He didn't come to use it in some crazy way to get somebody's attention it's the devil who is the source of sickness and disease it's the devil who is the source of tragedy it's the devil who is the source of all kinds of upsets in the lives of people it is not God's work Peter says so pointedly be sober be vigilant be aware because your adversary the devil roams around like he isn't He's like a he's not a, a, a lion but he's like a roaring lion, a hungry lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for someone to devour, to take control over, to consume, to get on top of, to interfere with. He, he's a he's like a roaring he's not a roaring lion but he's like a roaring lion seeking somewhere and someone to to you know cause trouble, upset a life, put something on you. And he has all kinds of schemes, devices, plans. I mean, the Bible talks about the plans of the devil, the schemes of the devil, the wiles of the devil. These are all the different booby traps and tricks and all the kinds of things that he does to try to mess up believers' lives and to, to mess up your future and to mess up all the wonderful things that God Has planned for your life, so he says. Be sober, be aware, be sensitive. So I walk around. You know, I'm not like looking over my shoulder, but I know when something comes, I can begin to smell. It's what I say. I I say to people, "Say I can smell the paw print of the devil. He's lurking. I can smell it coming. So I'm ready. Be vigilant. Be sober. Be on your guard." Because he's coming. But notice what the Bible says. Let me read in context. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking he may devour. Now listen to verse 9 says, resist him. Resist him, being steadfast in the faith. So when the devil lurks, we're not supposed to just let him take over. We're supposed to resist him. You've got to resist the first thought that the devil plants in your mind. You see, you put, like I said before, the devil put a thought in your mind and if you don't resist that thought, then that, that, that thought will, will start to fester. It'll grow and, and, and any thought that, that is ungodly or unclean or unholy or, or can cause some sort of devastating results in your life will only prove to grow and to become stronger in your life because you didn't resist it on the out- onset. He said, be sober and be vigilant because your enemy is See, the devil knows, he doesn't, listen, he doesn't know the future. He only knows the past. He's not omniscient. He's not God. He does not know the future. He doesn't know where you're going. He doesn't know what God's plan is for your life. But he has an inkling of an idea and he takes that idea, that little inkling of idea, and he tries his hardest to stop whatever the plan is tries to get in the way of believers to mess up your destination to mess up your dreams to mess up your vision to mess up your future he said be vigilant be sober be vigilant be aware be on your guard because your enemy your adversary the devil roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to it says resist him everybody say resist 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 him in the faith. So, what am I supposed to do? How do I resist the devil? I resist him in my faith. Amen. So, when the devil comes I'm at, with a thought, with an idea that's ungodly, a thought of fear, a thought of anger, a thought of anything that would not be consistent with the word of God, at that moment, I need to practice resistance. Amen. I need to practice, it would be like, you know, practicing martial arts and someone. Comes, comes at me, well, the very first thing that I learn is I have to react. I have to protect myself, right? And, and the trainer will go over and over again. You know, I've been hit a bunch of times because I, I was not good at protecting myself. So what's the matter? Do this, protect yourself. So, so it's the same way with the enemy. We need to train ourselves to protect ourselves against the devices, schemes, plans, and wiles, and everything else, booby traps that the devil tries to set and put in our way. Because he is real, and like I said, there's still somebody sitting here saying, "I don't know if I believe all this this devil stuff." That's just well, that would be the greatest trick that could ever unleash and pull on God's people, is to get, or even just the world, to get them to think that there is, uh, there is no devil, but he is alive and he's well. So be vigilant, be on your guard, because you do have an adversary. He doesn't like the fact that you serve God. He doesn't like the fact that you're pursuing your destiny. He doesn't like the fact that you live for Jesus, that you're purposing in your heart to live clean and to live right and to live righteously. He does not like that and he will try every scheme, plan and trick to trip you up, to get you and to persuade you to go contrary to the things that you know are right and pure and correct. He says resist him. Don't let it. See, that's, that's the mistake. We've got to learn on the onset, soon as it comes, to stand up against him. And, and, and you see... We're going to learn, you have the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. You have the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me, let me give you that verse, and then we'll, we'll go back to where I want it to go. But that verse in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, verse 18 and 19, and Jesus said to them, he said, behold, said to them, uh, let me, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Jesus was there when the devil was kicked out of heaven. Y'all know the story that he was in heaven, he was he was Lucifer, that was his name. He was the worship leader. That's why many churches and I'm and many pastors and I'm one of them believe that most of the time if there's going to be trouble in the church, it's going to start in the worship team. No offense to any of our worship team members, but be on your guard. Be alert and be aware, right? And and he, he said, he said, I want to be like God. And as a result, God said, oh yeah? And he kicked him out of heaven. Boy, I, would have, I wish I could have been there that day to watch. He said, it, was, it must have been the most spectacular fireworks show that man ever saw. <laughs> Jesus referred to it as lightning. He said, it was like lightning that just got thrown out of heaven when Satan got kicked to the earth. And he goes on to say, he says, behold, I give you power, which is authority, to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all, everybody say all, all the power of the enemy, right? Here we see Peter talk about your adversary, which is an enemy. Here Jesus is talking about an enemy. It's the same enemy. Who's the enemy? It's the devil himself, Satan. I give you power and authority to tread on serpents, on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And he goes on to say, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That means that we do not need to be afraid of the enemy. We need to rise up in our authority over the enemy and resist him in the faith. And the minute you resist him is the minute that he picks up and flees. Here, James 4, 7 says it this way. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice it says he might flee. He says he will flee from you the moment you put up resistance. But sometimes what happens is that people, believers don't put up the resistance. We entertain the thought and we fellowship with the thought And we we hold on to the thought and the thought gets a stronghold in our life and any thought that is held internally, meditated on for any period of time, eventually will become action. That's why I say a man doesn't wake up one morning and decide he's going to commit adultery. Doesn't wake up and say, I think today's a good day. I'm going to go find myself a really nice looking woman and commit adultery. No, somewhere that thought was planted in his brain. The enemy brought that thought to him. And that thought festered and he meditated on that thought and that thought took hold. It rooted and it took hold in his heart until eventually, and the devil persisted, putting everything he could in his way. And eventually that thing grew to the point where he acted out what he, what started as a thought now ended up as an action and activity that proves to be devastating to his life and to the lives of those who he's connected with. And it all started with a thought because he did not have the awareness or he didn't have the strength or he didn't have the knowledge that all he needed to do was to resist that thought at the moment of entrance and it would have fled from him. It would have fled away because the devil uh, will respond to those who rise in the authority of the name of Jesus and so nothing to be afraid of. You shouldn't be. As a matter of fact, what you ought to be meditating on is that the devil is afraid of you. The devil is afraid of you because you hold the authority that Jesus just transferred to you in his name. Not because you're so powerful. Not because you're, you're so wonderful. You have, you, you're, you're to be feared because of the one whom you serve. You're, you're to be feared because you belong to Jesus. You're to be feared because you know who you are in Christ and the authority that's in his name. Can we, can we investigate this a little further? Let's go over to Luke's gospel and we're going to go to um, chapter 4 of Luke's gospel. And we see this warfare, this battle played out in the life of Jesus. Jesus at this point, this juncture, he had been baptized in water by John the Baptist. He was also baptized by the Holy Spirit. The voice of heaven came out and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And, and, um, And then he set out to Uh, begin his three-year ministry that would have that ultimately revolutionized the world and executed the plan that God had from the very very beginning that he would become the sacrificial lamb for man's sins for the forgiveness of man's sins he would sign this new covenant with his own blood with all of its rights and privileges that were delivered to us through what he did at Calvary 2,000 years ago so it says in chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned. Now, well, let me let me just well let me read this in context and we'll get back to it. Filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You see, one of the things that I learned from here is that if you're going to be led by the Spirit, a lot of Christians talk about, I want to be led by the Spirit. Hey, well, if you're going to be led by the Spirit,